0: Welcome to Two Guys Garage Podcast, a production of iHeartRadio and Britain Productions. Oh, we are fired up. It's Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And man, Art Morrison on the podcast today. Shut the front door, you guys. Like, that's a... You know, when you think of Kleenexes, you're thinking of a brand. That's the... That's a Kleenex of chassis, bro. Suspensions, they're it. They're the highest level you can get to. No doubt. When
1: you think of chassis, just like you said, man, you're thinking Art Morrison, the brand, the man. I mean, he is a legend. I mean, I can yeah. go back, I don't know how many decades, and you know, when I'm flipping through Hot Rod magazines and such, you know, right? I see these cars built on Art Morrison chassis, and it's been kind of a almost a lifelong dream of being in Hot Rodding, like, man, someday. I'm going to have one of those suckers underneath one of my
0: rides. (laughs) You know, remember when you saw Lion King and that part where it says, say his name Mufasa. Ooh, say, say, say one more time Mufasa. It's, it's kind of like that. That's when people come in and you're aware of an art Morrison chassis. That's something that you express to others, right? Like that's the bar. Oh, I mean, what does it imply? It
1: implies that you've taken, you know, a cool ass car, but you have pretty much replaced everything that's important, right? All the touchy feelies, the cornering, the braking, because you're usually throwing brakes on there too. You got the steering, you got the cornering, your full suspension. I mean, you are ready to handle and compete and drive and have fun and anything else you want to do with any top dog
0: that's out there, right? You've got a new car under your car. You know, it's like Hello, um, Savage Department. I'd like a full order. Yeah, hand me the whoop ass one. Yeah, that's the one I need.
1: <laughs> with an extra order of kick ass. Right,
0: right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's great because a couple years ago you introduced me to these guys. How did you first? How did you first meet these guys? Like, you know, you gotta tell me about that relationship. Oh, uh, it's a it's a cool story because you know, like I implied, I grew
1: up with Art Morrison being a legend. And it must have been about I don't know twelve thirteen years ago. They came in town to Detroit for the Autorama, right? Big okay. indoor car show that happens kind of wintertime. And uh, they're with Brian Fuller, and and Brian introduced me, my old co-host and, and a buddy of mine. And uh, you know they they came on the campus of Ford where I'm working, and uh, you know showed them around a little bit. But we're like, you know, hey, there's the Henry Ford Museum, literally right across the street, and we can get tickets and we can go to the F-150 plant where they're building the plant, right? And oh, so yeah. like. Actually, I'd never been, so I was like, cool, we'll all go. And, you know, you get to tour the plant. It's a really modern plant, all kinds of automation, right? Things Robotics come up through cool the floor. Stuff, yeah. yeah, chassis go up into the ceiling and disappear. Like, you know, it seems like robots and people on, like, floating chairs just kind of, like, fly in and zip, 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 bang, bang, bang. Fixtures come like in. Avatar. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I'm sitting here thinking, man, this is one of my legends. I would love to see how he builds chassis you know, but he happened to be in kind of my neighborhood and here we are like walking the tour and everybody's walking on and here's Art with his, you know, hands on his chin, you know, staring over the rails, like endlessly watching all the robotics and the fixturing and, you know, taking notes and mentally like, wow, this is, you know, kind of light years away from, you know, a small business approach, you know, but it was cool to see, you know, his gears spinning on how, you know, production and high volume and you know half a million vehicles a year goes down a line uh you know and i'm sitting there going wow this dude is a legend man i gotta get into his shop
0: right right so have you ever (laughs) no but it's it's on my list
1: man right over on the west coast man upper west coast and if i ever Uh, got to
0: that place i'd run in and just lick a frame you know just like (laughs) i'd be like all right mine (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure if that's how it works yeah, i know i know but in theory it's <laughs>
1: well <laughs> look it, it works for candy and you know
0: ice cream and things like that i uh, should try man well, try it dude there's the other option you know? but you know i just i want one <laughs> well look let's take a break man when we come back on the two guys garage podcast art morrison everything you could ever want to know ask And just, you know, we get a chance to pick their brain, which is kind of cool. All right, back in just a minute on the Two Guys Garage podcast. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast, he is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B, we are joined by, you know, just some incredible part of Art Morrison, so this is one of those things viewers would love to see, because you have one of the highest names, the hierarchy, right, the, you know, the the top upper echelon of chassis, of of all the stuff you could ever imagine as candy as a kid for a car, and all of a sudden we bring TV cameras in, we let these guys who reel off. Want to
1: see that? Right? You know, who wouldn't want to see that? Right? Who wouldn't want to see
0: that? <laughs> and even if nobody else
1: wanted to see it. I do, so we should just go. We should just do it. <laughs> well, welcome, welcome, Art and Art Morrison and his son, who's you know also was in that, that trip together that I got to meet so many years ago. And every time, you know, we're at some big event, those are the two guys that I love to kind of hook up with, cross paths with, share some stories, uh, and catch up, man, because they're just two awesome guys. Along with being. You know, top car dudes.
0: Yeah, and they're so friendly. You introduced me. I had them on the radio before. So yeah, man, these guys are great. They're super reliable. And hey, just thanks for taking the time out to talk to us, man. We really, really appreciate it.
3: Yeah, not no a problem. P- thanks for <laughs> having us. Not a
2: problem.
1: <laughs> well, art right, man, just to get us started, man, how did you get into to cars? And then what was that evolution and that aha moment that said, you know what? These suspensions suck, the steering sucks, the brakes sucks i got a solution for that here's what i'm gonna go do
2: okay i i am gonna try to keep this short and i'm i trust me i'm not a man of few words um but but what what it was is from the time i was a kid my dad built houses was always a uh, a hands-on guy i mean he's had his own sawmill and he built the houses the hard way and and uh with with trees that he cut so anyway I got, he let me get a Model A Ford that had a a broken old, old, old engine in it in 19, oh God, had to be 63 or so, 60, maybe 62. I just had just turned 15 and anyway so i got this car and uh yeah my mom and dad went on vacation left those kids home alone for a week or so well because I, I was working with him i got some money ahead went and I and the old engine like i say it was junk so i went to a local junkyard found a b-week engine uh and stick transmission and uh and he it had a little cabinet shop and i and it just happened to have beams in it that you could put a chain fall on so we backed the model a and a buddy of mine and i uh set the deal down and I actually, I even knew how to weld back and it wasn't pretty, but I knew how to weld. And I, uh, and so I mounted, put the Buick engine in its 30 model A and that, that became my car. And I, and back then, back then, and I turned 16, oh, shortly after, and back then, yourself to and, and like our place a county city building and i got the title updated got the license plates for it and everything else without all of my parents knowledge and uh and anyway and that became that became sort of a driver and that was my actually that was my first car and i give you an example of what it would really was like i've I got a header kit uh and which was the flanges the the tubes that come out but the rest of the headers were made out of uh electrical conduit tubing and i actually i arc welded them together okay that's just if you could picture this in your head and anyway so so is that's the way that car that's the way that car was and that was that was my first car uh Second car was uh, when I got out of high school, my parents were kind enough to uh, get me a fifty a 54 Chevy, a little two-door two coupe and cutesy little car. And the first fall that I had the car, uh, buddy of mine and I were again in another, and we were just driving and I said, you know, he said, this car would be really cool if it had a big block Chevy in it. Well, that's 1965. and And Chevrolet just came out with a four and a quarter horse, 396. As a crate motor, so I convinced my parents to co-sign. So I convinced my parents to co-sign for a loan, and uh, and and they did. And they said, "Well, now why do you need this engine?" I said, "Well, just just to get a little more power." So in in some cases where I've got a pass and that sort of thing, then I've got the power to do it. And and rather than a six-cylinder, anyway. They signed the, they co-signed the deal, so I got this this big block four and a quarter horse Chevy then that I put into this into this fifty four Chevy, which I promptly ripped the front suspension out and put a uh, uh, front suspension out of it. It was out of a forty six Ford, something like that. So it was a it was an IBM axle that I put underneath this thing, and and immediately started drag racing the thing and uh and it was it was running or it ran somewhere in the in the mid twelves mid to the low 12s but it was still a street car that's getting it though,
1: yeah, back then
2: yeah, but it but it flew back now this was a hundred years ago, right yeah, so man, I mean we're getting it yeah, it was a I ran hundred and eighteen in the quarter and I'd still drive wow. it on the street, so then, in late that was went on, and I think i i finally i blew that engine up in early in sixty 66. And then August of 66, I wound up getting drafted. Okay. So, and, and so this was obviously right in the middle of the the Vietnam deal. And, uh, so went through basic training and everything. And I got drafted in August of that year. And, uh, and I, I, I got all done with basic training and they give you your job deal and, and what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh God, I got motor pool and Oh God, I got this. And I said, what's 11 Bravo. And, and somebody said, Seriously? Well, it's light weapons infantry. So that was my, that was my deal when I went overseas. Wow. Was, that was, that was, that was my thing. So I, I spent my year in Vietnam. And, uh, and when I got out, uh, and I, I got out with pretty much most of my faculties and, and, uh, and, and reasonably unscathed and so we, on.
1: We won't even ask Craig about that. You
2: know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so so anyway, so anyway, then I, I what I wound up doing was I uh, no more than got out and I went down. It was a so it was in the, uh, June when I got out and actually I got out of the service on my 21st birthday. So it was it was truly one of the best birthday presents wow. you could ever have. So anyway, I went down local, uh, there was a drag race coming up and it was a, a bunch of fuel cars and, and, uh, and wheel standards and nonsense. And lo and behold here at the local holiday and there was a Chuck pool was the guy's name it had a twin engine Dodge, uh, Oh, like a little, a little cab over pickup deal, but it had two Hemi engines and it. it was a wheel standard. And yeah, and yeah. For, yeah. So for some reason, we hit it off right off the bat and and, and I was talking, and he he said, "Well, you like to go to the race i oh God absolutely and so so he said, i uh, and in the meantime then that was okay, so another year, another year passed, so we went from sixty six now hour into in our sixty pardon me sixty uh, uh eight we're going into sixty nine now and uh and he had come back the next summer and i I just went to the races with him and it was all, oh uh, this is God, this is cool." And the next year he came up and now I had a, I had a house and, uh, and he said, do you know anybody that's got a, a shop with a welder in it? Well, the first thing I did when I built this house with my dad, uh, and a little, not a, not a big house, the little, just a 1500 square foot deal with a, a two car garage though, and welding outlets. And, uh, nice. and so, so I had, I had a little Lincoln buzz box welder and, and, uh, and anyway, So he needed, if he needed any work done on the thing, he'd bring it up and I would do it. Well, so the the relationship kept going and going. And then I started traveling with him. And then he said, well, you know what? He said in 1970, yeah, it was 70. He said, said, I've got one that I'm not using right now. Let me go down to California, bring it up. We'll put... The engine, so the engine that I blew up in my 54 Chev, I had turned the 54 Chev into a race car, uh, put fuel injection on it and and rebuilt the motor and everything and and put fuel injection on it and everything else. And, And so here this engine was sitting somewhat idle. And so we put it in this Volkswagen cab over Pickup, and uh, <laughs> that he that he had had, and and I became a wheel stand driver, and so I was a I was a licensed wheel stand driver. Hold it,
0: hold it. I'm gonna, I got to go on the record here and say, Art, you have a little redneck in your head. There's a little redneck
2: in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. more than, more, than, than a, more than a little bit. Oh God, I'll tell you. So I I work with him. I work with him for a year. And then, uh, and then we we split ways. And, and but in, in the meantime, I had met all these other guys. And one of them was Richard Schroeder. Uh, and uh, and he had got he had a Nova that he that he ran as a wheel stander. And then he had an AMX that he ran as a wheel stander. Well, he wanted me to drive his AMX. And uh, and which was all good and well, except that you can't, the only way you could see out of the AMX was look out of the driver's door and look at the guardrail. And that's how you steered it. Now, see if you could, if you could put this all together at a hundred miles an hour at a hundred miles an hour on a country road sometime, just look out the window and try by looking at the side of the road and see how unnerving that is anyway. (laughs) That was the way it drove his car, and uh, and anyway, and I wind up managing to just absolutely put it into a ball early in in '71, yeah, early '71, and uh, and I had just gotten married, um, and to a a, a gal, and and lo and behold, it, it, this is Craig's mom, and we're still married today, 49 years later, as a matter of nice. fact. Nice, so congratulations. So which,
1: was she more impressed?
2: Was yeah. She- well, she said the first words out of her mouth when this thing is flipping and rolling over down the track, and it was at the top end no less. Uh, she said, "God, I'm too young to be a widow," because I I don't even know if she was twenty years old yet. And uh, and so anyway, but it was it was just horrific. Well, it was at that moment that I said. I, there is this got to be a different career path this this just ain't cutting it and uh and so that's when I and I was already doing some work in the garage at our house at that time and besides building Schroeder a new wheel stander and uh and anyway <laughs> anyway so a guy came up to me with uh that had a uh 60 65 66 Corvette a modified production car big block car a local guy this Tom Turner and and so he said, could you put a rear suspension in my car? And, and it was a, a guy in the Northeast that, that did this suspension and sold it as a kit, Paul Blevins. And, and so I said, absolutely. So I set about doing that. Well, and he promptly went out and set a record, an NHRA record in a modified production. And that, that sort of was what kick-started that whole, that whole thing. And this was in 70, would have been probably 72 or so and uh anyway and so it went so then and and that's when it when it started growing and that's when when the business officially kind of got off the ground and and for lack of a of a really respectable name at that time everybody that had had a race car or like richard schroeder it was richard schroeder enterprises chuck pool was chuck pool something rather and i said well god i guess it's Art Borson enterprises and so that's how the, how the business name came to be <laughs> so anyway that's that's what kick-started it and got it going and i worked in that uh, my dad had quit building houses he had a little shop and I, I uh, convinced him I could use a, a 30 by 30 section of his shop and, and he let me, and it was only 30 by 60 total. Well, that went for another year. Then I convinced him I needed the whole building and I built him another uh, another in building to to put all of his saws and nonsense. So I had this 30 by 60 building and that's, that's where, it, where it started. And it, most of it started out with doing uh, uh, what, what do we call door slammer thing and uh yeah. and you know all the modified production type cars Then in nineteen seventy five the year Craig was born uh I got into building uh rear engine dragsters and uh and and so and i I got a, a some real notoriety out of that because a lot of these guys were going out and would set records in those things in the in the sportsman classes and and I wound up, I think, in dragsters, I built up about 135 dragsters total. And, and we, did them, we did them complete. I did the, the chassis, the body, the seat fuel tank. I mean, to where it was a complete done and finished roller uh, when they would pick them up. And God, some of them, I mean, in the typical price for a, a roller like that back there was about 2500 bucks. And uh and so anyway, anyway, and so then we, we move on until nineteen seventy-eight and and we found this little piece of property down in Fife, a one-acre patch. And uh and so I I, I was able to put seventy eight hundred bucks down on it of my life savings, our life savings, and uh and and put the money down on this piece of property where we're at right now and uh, and the banker i went to the bank and i said okay god I, this is what i want to build and and he said uh he said well you he said what kind of collateral you got and i said well i've got the property he said well let's see the title and i said why well, don't have the title to it i'm making payments on it he said well you've got nothing and i said okay okay what do i need and he said well you need a deed release so i i went to an attorney and i said i got to get a deed release for this this piece of property he said for for what he said, he said, the lady that owns that's not gonna sign that thing. And I said, Well, I've got it, but I gotta do it. Just just you write it up, I'll go talk to her. So on Christmas Eve in 1977, I went and saw Mrs. McCarthy and uh, and she's an older lady, and I, I she said, So what's going on? I said, Oh nothing. I said, but this piece of property I got for me, I said I can't build anything on it. And until I, I got this deed release, and I said, if you sign it, it'll give me, it'll give me enough that I can go to the bank and actually put a building on it. And she said, well, will it change the way I get paid? And I said, oh, absolutely not. So she weren't and she signed the deed release the first working day after Christmas in uh, of '77. I went to the bank and and he said holy whatever and anyway and, and so he obviously he he said he said okay so he i got the money to put the building up and then the first building we built was an eight thousand foot building and uh and then so then business went on and
0: art art there's there's so much to take away from your story none of which is to me anyway the most miraculous how'd you convince your parents for a loan to get you a big block that's insane <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I want to be that, first That needs to be a tutorial for all kids yes. right now I need <laughs> notes on that alone I was taking notes, I was But I want to th- I want to thank you for your service I'm, I'm a huge supporter of you know, veterans and, and our military, so thank you for your service And look, doing wheel stands uh, Wheelie stands on country roads Should be the next Blake Shelton Number one country single As quoted by Art, Art Morrison <laughs> <laughs> You know, wheelie stands on country roads
1: well, it's funny because I had a couple I had a couple similar and other takeaways too. So one was uh, welders can get you friends. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> welders can get you friends, and. A- and apparently driving like a wild man can get you ladies, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs>
0: Even when you wreck them, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I, I always tell people, my friends, man, get you a, a woman with a couple warrants because she's never going to call the cops on you, <laughs> you know, you, you do something like that. So hey, I, I tell you what, guys, we got to get into what you're doing because nowadays you still have a, you have just a stranglehold on all things chassis, all things suspension, All things that people desire in the world of performance, uh, in the world of hot rods, street rods, muscle cars. So let's take a break now on the Two Guys Garage podcast with Kevin Bird, and Willie B. back in just a minute. You guys are at the podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. We have Art Morrison on the phone with us, well, in the podcast with us. And man, this is crazy because he was just reeling off a little bit of how it all got started. And Art, I got to ask you, man. I mean, wheel stands on country roads, rowing race cars, going from town to town, race cars, you were like a, a race car gypsy, man. Got to build hot rods and rear ends and do all this fun stuff. How happy are you right now that you can sit back and look at the, all the laughs, all the memories, all the smiles that you've been able to create by doing something you're insanely passionate about. I mean, insanely passionate.
1: Yeah. So, fast forward, it, during the break, you mentioned 49 years. Is that right? 49 years, yeah. yeah. 49 years. Wow. Okay. So, fast forward. Wow. We've got Craig, right? Your son. Uh, Craig, you know, real quick, how did you, you know, when did you kind of decide, like, this gig is for me. This, this wild, crazy gypsy man is kind of the guy I want to lasso onto and, and follow these
0: coattails around. Like, and Craig, every, every hot rider's jealous of you, my man, growing up with that, uh, you know, as the surroundings, like your toys. Oh <laughs> yeah.
3: So growing up, I mean, I was, I was in the summertime cause the, the old shop, um, was within walking distance of our house. And so, um, in the summertime, my mom and I would walk down to the shop and I'd get to sit in the race cars and make race car noises <laughs> and uh, have been pretty much hooked ever since. And anytime I get an opportunity to sit in a cool car, I'll sit in one today and still make oh, yeah, the race man. car noises that I did when I was six years old.
1: Hey, Willie, he's one of <laughs> us, man. He's one of us, yeah. Why,
0: why is that so fun? I, I did the same thing in my dad's 57 Chevy in a chicken barn, well, you know, it's it was covered in dirt and dust, but I'd sit there and be like, vroom, yeah.
3: vroom, vroom. Oh, yeah. you, you got you to gotta do it. And so, uh, starting when I was 11, I think, I I started uh, coming down in the summers and sweeping floors and emptying garbage cans and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And pretty much every summer from 11, uh, all the way through middle school, all the way through high school, and then all the way through college. Um, I would, I would be down here working different parts of the business, uh, just cause I loved being around it. And, and it was great learning how to, how to use different machinery and different, uh, vendors and all that kind of stuff. And uh, and then graduated from uh, the University of Washington and then started uh, full-time after that and uh, and and sort of through that time we kind of transitioned from doing like turnkey drag race cars to drag race cars and drag race mail order to then doing stuff for the pro street guys in the late 80s and early 90s and then going from, the pro street stuff kind of into the street rod world and still doing drag race stuff at the time and late 90s early 2000s we really saw the drag race market kind of drop off and and i did uh, almost a full month on the road with our semi-trailer that was going to drag race events and street rod shows and uh some pro street <laughs> events And everybody was kind of asking the same question about, God, I really want a a car that or chassis that I can bolt my body onto and just kind of go. And, and after having the same questions asked for three weeks in a row, I I came back to the shop and I told my dad, I said, gosh, I said, we really have to do a chassis that has the body mounts, the bumper mounts and all of the stuff that you can unbolt your original body and bolt our frame. And, and so we we started looking at what what was going to be a popular car for that. And and one of our number one chassis that we did, even at that time, was for a 55 to 57 Chevy car. And uh, so we started doing all of the research and development and, and reverse engineering on the original frames, and had a had a great engineer at the time that did some great suspension work and stuff, and and art just happened to have a fifty-five Chevy that <laughs> he was going to do as a hot rod project but i said gosh instead of doing it as a hot rod because we we're just going to tub it and put a big block in it with a four speed and just make it a cool hot rod um but instead we put a 427 small block in it with a six-speed trans and and one of our chassis and 18-inch wheels and we drove it from tacoma washington all the way down to los angeles and then did slalom, skid pad, braking, quarter-mile stuff. And at the time, that 55 Chevy was equivalent performance-wise to like a C5 Corvette. And that that really sort of set the stage for everything that we've done since then.
1: I was going to say, you guys you know, set the stage and you just keep delivering because, right, that 55, 57 Chevy now has turned into just a number of different uh, you know, kind of turnkey platforms. You got Camaros and Chevelle A-bodies and you got trucks. And then, you know, you guys are huge in the custom, right? Just this is what I need. And you guys, you know, bust it out for them. Uh, what a great evolution.
3: Yeah. And that, the custom stuff um, is always, always really fun and exciting. And and cause you never know uh, what people are going to call up and have as their kind of dream car and and you get you get some folks that call up that want to do something really weird and crazy and you think ooh, well yeah if that's what you want to do we'll go ahead and do it for you but then there's other ones where people call up and it's like man this is really cool i wish i could do one of those myself um so that's that's the real cool thing about being able to do both the custom stuff and and the bolt-on things and like the tri-five chevy chassis um we have done over 1,600 of just those chassis for the 55
0: to 57s. Yeah, you know what? I just got to lay eyes on one of those. My buddy ordered one. I have a 57 and a 56 Chevy. And one of those chassis came oh, nice. came, came in the other a couple of weeks ago to my buddy's shop. And it is so gorgeous, man. It's something you just stare and look at. Trust me, if you're listening to this podcast, you'll appreciate this because you ever seen a piece of work so pretty that you just stare and like, just kind of jaw open like, ugh. Look at that. (laughs) And you got to go 15, 20 more. Nobody says anything. You're just all staring at the way you guys integrate tubes for the exhaust to go through, your independent rear suspension, just all the gusts that you have and how just strength. it, It looks like it's so aggressive, so thought out, and it's just... God, is it beautiful? It is just absolutely gorgeous. Well, I
1: think as a you know a car guy, a hot rod guy, you can look at it from multiple angles. So one is just, you know, the craftsmanship and what all is there. And then you're thinking about what it's gonna do for you. You know, like what's gonna happen when that goes under your ride? Because now you have a stiff chassis. Right? Now you've got the right suspension set up, now you've got the right steering set up, you're throwing some good brakes on it, and your mind is just like forward uh-huh. thinking, man. I can't wait to get in there and start doing burnouts, start cornering uh, hey Bert, some-
0: I call that the oomph factor. Oof, oh yeah, oof, oof. that's gonna yeah. be nasty. Well, fast forward us
1: to, uh, you guys, the Pinnacle, is that your Max G chassis? Is that kind of like your top dog? The Max
3: G is, is one of our custom frames that we do uh, for four different applications, and that Max G st- uh, style frame, it's, it's a chassis to put underneath unibody cars. So if a guy's got like a Mustang or something like that, where it was the unibody. Oh charger.
0: no, the charger, the charger. Talk about <laughs> that. Saw one. that.
3: Yes. Yeah, the char- I'm a charger guy. Talk that chassis yes. is designed to sort of go out to the pinch weld of the body, cut the floor out, and then sink the body sort of over the chassis. And you can you can weld the body right to the frame and then refloor it, or you can make it so the body is removable like a conventional. Uh, Body-on-frame design, uh, and that that sort of a, a unibody replacement platform is that that Max G chassis, and then our GT Sport line is is sort of our bolt-on frames, uh, and then you had mentioned the that independent rear that we do. Um, that was another really big big job that we did. Um, we had an engineer working sort of off and on for about three years on that design. Uh, and it's been just an absolute home run. The ride quality is unbelievable. Yeah, it's nasty. And, uh, and I, I, I know I give you a bunch of crap about putting one in your Mustang, Kevin, um, but it's you'd absolutely love it. And it, the thing that's cool is that it's the first aftermarket IRS that has the uh, semi-active steering component to it.
1: Yeah, that's a multi-link. Tell us a little bit about what's different about that setup versus you know, kind of a just a double A arm you know, IRS,
3: the one thing with a multi-link is that, I mean, the name, as the name implies is that there's multiple links instead of a, a single upper a arm and a lower a arm. And you can do a lot of things with a a multi-link design that you can't do with, with double a arms and, and the load paths on a, on a multi-link are more direct. Um, but one of the things you can do with a multi-link is basically engineer into it, bump steer. Um, and you can, we've got it set up on an eccentric so you can dial it in or dial it out. And and that, that little bit of bump steer is what turns the back tires when you're going into a corner. So it's actually driving the rear of a car around the corner rather than sort of sliding the tires around the corner or scrubbing the tires. around. Wow.
1: I didn't realize it had an adjustability to it. That's pretty awesome because that's what you're seeing in a lot of the newer cars, right?
3: exactly and you can make it uh very aggressive you can dial it out and then you could also uh have it reverse um for certain situations as well um and there's all sorts of crazy engineering that we could uh someday get our our engineer to come in here and talk talk about it <laughs> a little bit more intelligently well, that, than i can
2: but the, the problem the, the problem is, is is we can talk about it a little bit in layman terms and and Matt, yeah maybe not quite so much <laughs> so it would be it, essentially what it does is when the car if you're going into a corner on the left side the left side goes down as you're going into a say into a left hand corner uh is that left tire will turn a little bit to the right and or a little bit actually no i'm sorry the other direction it'll it'll turn Toe to, in. It'll, it'll tow in and the other one because it's rising will tow out and so that's what, what does it. And we've had uh, cameras underneath autocross cars before, and you can see the movement in the tires uh, as it's going through an autocross track, um, you know, with that suspension. So it's a, it's, it's just proved to be a, an unbelievable, unbelievable asset for us. Well,
1: I've heard that the, even the new F1 car has a steering wheel that you can push forward and backward kind of like a, a pilot in an aircraft, and it somehow changes, I think, the front toe in and toe out so this is like something similar except for the back so it really lets you kind of you know let the back drive the the car around a little bit
3: yeah no it's it's incredible only you can't do it with
2: a wheel or a steering wheel adjustment
0: <laughs> yeah but you said f1 technology and these guys are putting that in a 57 chevy
2: yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know i mean that's what's cool yeah it's one thing to see it out you know on multi-bazillion dollar race cars and all this, but to be able to put it on a first-gen Camaro or something like that is insane. That's what you guys have have really been able to bridge and give us consumers on this end, which is, man, that is such a game-changer for us. That is such a paradigm that would never exist if it weren't for... You know, if it weren't for wheel stands on country roads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the one,
3: the one thing that's, that's really crazy about this sort of day and age is, I mean, no matter what kind of daily driver that you have, I mean, whether it's the cheapest economy car or the highest priced luxury car, I mean, even the, the lower end stuff these days, has a really high quality ride and drive aspect to it. And the thing that we see with our customers is that whether they acknowledge it or not, a lot of guys have really high expectations about how their hot rod or muscle car or whatever they're building, uh, how it should ride and drive. And so there's there's pressure on us as chassis builders to take and, and deliver that and and create this this cool car that that has the modern day ride and drive qualities to it
1: now real quick you guys uh you know there's been a trend finally with some of these resto mods you know taking off and the auctions and whatnot uh and i know you guys have so many customers that are kind of in all sorts of spaces and several of them I think have been to auction pretty recently. How, how well do they do and what were your thoughts?
3: So what's, what's really wild is we've got about four or five shops, uh, that will spec build cars and take to the, like the January Barrett Jackson auction in Scottsdale. And, um, I mean, it always blows me away cause it's all no reserve stuff, but these guys have a, have a formula down and, uh, do well every year, uh, last couple years the auctions have been really hot on the c1 and c2 corvettes and again this year the corvettes did really well with our chassis we had uh one uh one c2 that went for 380,000 uh a c1 that went for 380,000 a couple in the 350,000 range and then talking about pickup trucks uh, we had another customer that built a 50 Chevy pickup truck, uh, our chassis LT4, I think, LT1, LT4, but one of the new LT motors, uh, and that went for $160,000. So, um, oh. And these were all spec-built cars that they just built for the auctions, and yeah. um, they've been doing real well. So, hey, can can you tell
0: everybody about your C10 market? Because C10s, in my opinion, and trucks are are leading the hot rod game right now where there's resto mods, a lot of drag racing applications. Just people are loving trucks all over the country. I don't care if you're from the north, from the south, from the east. Everybody loves trucks. And you guys do a lot of great stuff uh, with all kinds of trucks. So, real fast, tell us about that and where people can go to find it.
3: Yeah, um, so we're just getting ready to re- release our uh, C10 pickup truck chassis for the the 67 to you 72s, um, it's a production of and, uh, and what's Google really cool is the first the first, the first offerings Radio. for those Listen is, to is IHR going IHR to be performance-oriented for uh, uh, auto-crossing uh, track days and all that sort of thing with either a solid axle or our independent rear, um, and uh, that will be available probably in the next month or so. And um, you know, everybody can, can check out what we got and sort of behind the scenes stuff either on our Instagram page or on our website of ArtMorrison.com.
0: Hey, um, look, we got to say thanks to those guys, man. It's just incredible having them on. And don't forget about the TV show air weekends on Motor Trend Network. Check your local listings. Episodes also now streaming on Motor Trend On Demand. So you can fire us up anytime, anywhere. Again, thanks to our guest, my man Kevin Byrd. I am Willie B. Our producer is Scoop, and our executive producer is Bob Ecker. And don't forget to check out our website, twoguysgarage.com.
1: Share your thoughts with us. We're on social. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Two Guys Garage. Two Guys Garage podcast is a copyright 2020 Britain Productions Incorporated,
0: all rights reserved. Dude, he was a badass. He was drafted, bro.
1: Yeah. No doubt. Light infantry. Came back.
0: Off his nails.
1: Did his wheelies. Crashed some cars. Picked up some chicks. You know, built a universe. Okay. Wheel stands on country roads, man. <laughs> <laughs> Alright gang. I had a blast on this one, man. Hope you did too. Are we still on? <laughs> we'll catch you on the next Two Guys Garage Podcast.